0: Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair, and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity, and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. I'm Tony Lumpton, Managing Director of CJL Group, and I trust things are always working out really, really well for me, and you're listening to the Offshore Account Podcast. Tony, give us an overview of your team structure, your local team, your offshore team, how many team members you've got in total, and then how long they've been with you, and just a little bit of an overview of your business.
1: No problem. So we, we've got uh, two offices located um, on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Uh, currently, two accounting partners, two managers, two senior accountants, two intermediate accountants, two trainee accountants and one bookkeeper with three administration staff locally. Offshore, we currently have five accountants um, at all sorts of levels. Uh, they're broken down from one senior to three intermediates, one trainee. And our newest employee, that has been with us two weeks now, um, is solely focused on our SMSF space. Um, We also have a financial planning division locally here uh, where I employ three people. One is a uh, financial planner along with myself and two administration staff. And we also have a general insurance business uh, where we employ two full time brokers and an administration assistant there as well. Um, and we also have a marketing department, which is headed up by my wife, um, as well as an assistant locally for her. And we also have one full-time employee um, in the in the Philippines as well. Um, so we've we've been uh, we started uh, offshoring first uh, of April 2017, and we started with two and uh, And uh, we're up to six now, and searching for for one more
0: excellent, so that's obviously been some some big growth over twelve months. You've only obviously been on this journey for a bit over twelve months, and you've also got a very diverse business. you have obviously lots of multi functions within it. Does your business overall have a niche, or are you more of a generalist that will deal with with any type of client
1: yeah we we sort of we don't really have a niche. Being on the Mid North Coast, we find that we need to be able to operate in all areas. And I guess it's having the three types of businesses under the one roof, being the accounting, financial planning and general insurance work it enables us to deliver a one-stop shop to majority of our clients. General insurance business tapped on for two years now and we found that having that tapped on is really Um, increased our I guess our new business coming in the door uh, as well as the satisfaction from clients and having the team offshore just helps uh, with all areas there and you know certainly the the next employees on you know at the moment they're all on the accounting side but certainly uh, financial planning and general insurance is certainly a targeted area for me to look at staffing levels as well.
0: So you've been on this journey with obviously setting up an offshore team for you know, 15 odd, 15, 16 months. Tell me about the story of setting up your offshore team. What were your motivations behind doing this versus obviously the the many priorities that you would have running a, a multifaceted business?
1: Yeah, so look, my main motivation was uh, simply a lack of uh, uh, resources and staffing uh, locally here in uh, mid north coast in New South Wales. Um, as much as it's a, a beautiful place to live, um, it is very, very difficult. Um, finding staff at at all levels, you know, even at trainee level, we find if we have trainees, normally sort of three four years down the track. Even if you you are showing them their career prospects, um, being young, they um, obviously want to see the city at some point if they've grown up locally, and uh, unfortunately get their experience with me and then uh, move on to the city. So it, it's very very difficult finding staff here. And in fact, I've I've uh, I was saying to to yourself, Nick, earlier. I've been uh, recruitment phase for a bit over 12 months at senior level, both advertising Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, and we just aren't able to secure anything. So my motivation was purely to enable us to get good quality staff and be able to get the work out the door for
0: clients because that's the priority. Excellent and, and this is a common theme with our clients now Tony you're obviously based in Australia and a regional part of Australia but our clients in the US and Canada and, and other areas that are in the regional areas have the exact same issues um, it's just finding and retaining staff it can be really challenging. So how did you go about getting set up how did you obviously find us as a partner the recruiting the onboarding what was the process and how long did it take
1: Yeah, look, I I dragged my heels on this one. It was, it probably took me two years to, from when I really got serious about it to, to finally biting the bullet. And I think from memory, I was at a conference somewhere and ran into yourself, Nick, and somebody else there and just said, yeah, just sign me up. Let's get going. This is ridiculous. Um, but look, it was just, you know, that to and fro in your mind on whether I should or shouldn't. Um, but, I spent a lot of time researching a lot of outsourcing areas, went to a lot of seminars that were just solely related to outsourcing. But in the end, um, I just had to bite the bullet and run with it. Um, and I guess the, um, the thing I listened to the most, um, while, while going to those different seminars and things was, is probably the effort required, um, in that startup phase, which I would call that first 12 months. Um, it does continue, but certainly that first 12 months, is by far the hardest. Um, I was lucky enough I've got a senior manager here that um, is extremely dedicated and she spent um, probably 70% of her time um, getting our offshore team up and running and uh, and being there for them um, constantly throughout the day and working significant hours to, uh, to get it done.
0: Excellent and that is I suppose a a great point for anyone that is not going down this journey yet is that it does require initial effort. It's not just something that you can plug in and, and forget about it over there and, and that they will just, you know, work perfectly. It is a new office in a new location that happens to be in another country. Um, so, long term, this is a great people strategy, but it does require effort um, and if you're not willing to obviously invest in building your people and your team, um, which is what they are, then obviously this strategy just won't work. So Tony, for someone to look looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them to move as quickly as possible? Now, obviously it took you a couple of years, but what would be the three most critical things that you would spend your time on if you were setting up now?
1: Yeah, so probably the biggest thing is to research your provider who you're going to use. I've heard plenty of stories um, of people who started offshoring and failed. Um, and I think, you know, part of it is, uh, is the individuals themselves and how they go about it, but part of it can be the provider as well. So I think that's absolutely critical, but I would say don't take two years like I did. I think if you, if you seriously dedicate your time to it and, you know, just, just set time aside and just get it done, I think you could make a decision within two months to, to get rolling there. And then once you do pick your partner and you recruit I would suggest bringing your team member or members over to Australia to work within your team here um, for a minimum of three weeks. Uh, We did this uh, a bit over a month ago. We brought our entire team over and by far it was the best thing for us. It made our team locally here understand them more, understand their skill set and their dedication and um, it allowed us to do more one-on-one, face to face training as well. So I'd definitely do that. And as I said, like, you know, I was lucky I had Sharon, um, who, who's my senior manager here. Um, so you need to pick someone in your office that is extremely good with people and, and patient and very good on process and procedure. And that person needs to dedicate minimum 12 months to the team. Um, and when I say dedicate, I really mean it. they'll need to spend at least 70% of their day working with the offshore team. Um And also make sure you reward that team member who's doing that for the work as it's it is really hard You know, we unfortunately there's there's days where we're actually at work here and they're off and then vice versa So um I was lucky and Sharon, you know on her days off um, Did come in and work with the tower team in that first 12 months We don't need to do it anymore, but certainly in that first 12 months we did and the other thing is daylight savings time Time variances that can impact as well. So that team members imperative absolutely imperative
0: yeah fantastic so if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value that your offshore team provides what would it be
1: so look it just gives us the resources and talent to live up to our motto which is working together to build a better financial future for our clients
0: It's as simple as that. Love it. Now, perceptions of offshoring. Now, we've all heard different perceptions, but what are the main things that you've heard about having an offshore team and what surprised you the most?
1: Yeah, so look, certainly by far the biggest issue I recall is um, security of data um, and in turn, obviously, your client's data. Um, uh, you know, I recall going to seminar after seminar and, you know, when yourself, Nick and and other outsourcers were up on stage, you know, I would say 50% of the questions were in relation to data. Um, look, you know, you've got so many different softwares available. We use ReadySecure. Um, and, and, you know, the security that, that you have over there on the ground inside the office building, um, after I went there, looked at it, I knew that there's no breach. There, there would never be a breach. And, um, and the other thing that you've got to bear in mind is, um, uh, you know, the Filipino people are just extremely grateful that they've actually got a job and to steal from us it would be the last thing they would ever think about. So, um, that would be probably the biggest thing
0: I can recall. Excellent. So the year ahead you've obviously had some good growth um, within your business overall both your local and your global team. What are some of the plans that you've got for the next 12 months more specifically with your global team on how you plan to keep growing the team, their capability and ultimately their performance?
1: Yeah so as I said we we had the entire team out here um, well almost there was five at the time we've now got six Um, but we had them out here for three weeks. And we we did spend, I would suggest two of those three weeks on solid training and integration into the team. Our goal before they got here was to have four managers work directly with either one or two of those TOA team members. So basically that means that, you know, that that manager will work with our clients and visit our clients and and be the face of our clients, but won't do any of the work. So the work will be done by our TOA staff, Um, and the manager will review um, the work um, which will then allow us to develop our business advisory and and obviously, you know, selling the financial planning and general insurance to our clients. So um, and our goal is definitely to have a minimum of um, 10 in the team by 30 June next
0: year. Fantastic. So Obviously, the team is growing, which is great, I mean, and you're making it a success. What are some of the recommendations for our listeners on some of the things that you'd recommend they do in managing an offshore team?
1: Yeah, so I probably have covered this a bit, but as I've previously discussed, um, I think bringing them out to Australia or wherever you are to work within your team um, is imperative. Depending on how big your team is um, will depend on how long you can bring them for. Obviously, costs are part of it, but it's definitely beneficial. And then make sure you get over there as soon as practical after you've hired them. Um, probably the mistake uh, I made was we, we started 1st of April 2017 and didn't get over there until December of that year. Um, so I didn't really have a good grasp on what it was about. So uh, certainly I would make sure I got over there quick smart next time. And as I said, just that you or that team member you need to spend a lot of time every day so every morning um, during the day and at close of business every day you need to be checking in and just making sure they're going
0: well That's absolutely imperative. Some great advice, Sarah, and I think that a lot of the times when um, people initially go down um, with the building a global team, they don't actually treat it like another office. And a lot of times we find that they're not communicating as frequently or as effectively as they could be. So some great points for anyone listening um, that part of this journey is just treating it like another office. Um, and I think Tony, you're all fortunate that you already run two offices, so that you already know some of those things before you built the offshore team. But uh, I mean, you've already mentioned some of these things that you would have learnt over the the last twelve months journey as well. Now, I'm going to talk around um, metrics and and KPIs because a lot of um, firms that we talk to globally don't necessarily know. Um, how to measure success, and, and when you're putting an offshore team um, in place, which is in a global environment where you can't necessarily just go there within an hour or you can't just fly there the next day and be there in a couple of hours, it is, you know, a fair way away. How do you measure the success of your offshore team? What KPIs do you use to measure success to, to know that the, it's working?
1: Yeah, well, as you said, Nick, it's it's, it's just another office. So for us, it's, it's a pod. Um, you know, we operate pods here. Um, each, each pod is, uh, measured, uh, weekly and monthly. They have their clients that sit within their pods. So we have, you know, for the, for the, for the tower team, we have weekly targets on their bookkeeping work because they, they do 95% of all our bookkeeping work. So they've got weekly targets for that. They have weekly targets for billings, um, monthly targets, as I said, for their, uh, for their pod, which includes their local, team as well. And then they have their monthly training requirements. So when they do do training, um, part of that training program is they they need to come back to Sharon or their direct manager and explain what they learnt out of the training. So training's a big thing for the Filipinos. They love it. And uh, the more you can give them and the more feedback, the more they strive on it. Yeah, I couldn't agree
0: more. So how has offshoring benefited your clients?
1: Yeah, so it's enabled the local team to spend more time meeting with our clients and getting work completed in a timely manner compared to what we used to do. It also means uh, when I win new business, I know we have the resources to get it done. So you know, I mentioned before we started, Nick, that you know, the, the three weeks I would picked for the tower team to come out, here was supposed to be our quiet time, but I had a, a big client um, come off that um, I'd been working on for some time, so we managed to juggle it even though they were here. But you know, even now, like I've, I've got a new client starting first of September, uh, which is a big uh, client from bookkeeping right through. Um, and I know I've got the resources and team over there to do it, so I can spend my time doing what I need to do with the client, and, and I know that the work gets done um, at the back end. So from our client's perspective, they're happy. You know, in the financial year, I had a client come and speak um, at our conference. She's been with the practice for 10 months. And, you know, what the main difference was between our firm and the old firm she was at in Sydney and um, you know, by far the, the biggest thing I got out of it was the uh, the turnaround time.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, talking about your role and yourself, um, we fo- we often find in in the podcast interviews that I've done so far, um, a lot of our, our clients are telling us that it doesn't actually give them more work-life balance straight away. That sometimes it is a longer um, term play, or, or for some of our clients, it's given them more time to do more work, which means they're taking on more clients. But has Building a global team contributed to giving you more time personally and has it given you more work-life balance?
1: Yeah absolutely so uh, as you alluded to certainly in the first 12 months or so it didn't Um, you know it it increased our workload here because reality was somebody had to pick up the slack from from Sharon while she was spending so much time with them but certainly I can see the uh, the benefits now and certainly over the last four months you know, I've, I've seen my local team here, um, step up to the next level, which is awesome. Um, you know, reality was, um, they, they don't like doing that, that, that sort of bookkeeping compliance work. Um, they want to have that client contact and work on advisory work with, with, um, directly with the clients. Um, I, it's something I've been told for many a year and it really has, um, shown me that now. Um I, I now have a scheduled day off uh, each Thursday, uh, which is my no contact day, no technology day, uh, where I spend time out of the business. Um, sometimes I still work on the business, but I'm just not in the office and I have no phone on. And I can see myself, um, you know, once I get this new manager that I'm trying to recruit locally, I've penciled in two days off per week. As I say, probably half of, that, half, of, half of the two days will be working on the business, but the other day we'll be doing whatever I want um, and grabbing some time for myself.
0: Sounds like a good plan to me. So how has offshoring had an effect on your average hourly rate if, you've, if your accounting business measures that or overall profitability to the overall business? Um, obviously, still in the early days, but how, what effect has this had um, within the 15 months that you've already been down this process? Yeah, so
1: it, obviously it didn't uh, have an impact. It, it it sort of went backwards in that first year, um, which I knew it would do. Um, but having, you know, probably the last three months of uh, the 18 year, um, I, I could start to see it. And certainly, uh, looking at our production budget and fee budget uh, versus payroll budget and so forth for 1819, um, I can certainly see it start to hit the bottom line. And um, and Probably 19, 20 is really where the, the major benefit will come. As long as I hit that um, a minimum 10 um, team members in uh, in the Philippines, um, I have no doubt we'll hit those projections, but certainly it's, um, I wouldn't say it's probably increased our average hourly rate because we're doing bookkeeping work now, which we weren't doing before, which has always traditionally been um, certainly a lower end charge rate. but Having our team offshore enables us to do that and still make money on it Which we weren't able to do previously yeah, and
0: we've seen a huge wave of clients really starting to offer that as a service which is a Which is a, a great addition and you can do it cost effectively um, with a global team So I'm going to ask you some advice Tony um, more around I suppose Business advice. So what mm-hmm. one bit of advice would you give your younger self from a business point of view?
1: Well, there's lots there Nick um, look Thinking about offshoring, um, it's certainly, look, I started TJL 10 years ago, and if I had my time again, I certainly would have started offshoring from day one. Um, You know, I'm not sure it was around 10 years ago, but um, certainly whenever it was possible, I would have embarked on it straight away. Certainly the last 10 years, you know, I've had that constant battle with staff, trying to find staff. You know, you win the work, then you figure out how am I going to get it done. So I've always been a believer in over resourcing and you can over resource offshore um, and still not have a big hit to your bottom line. So certainly that's probably the biggest thing that I would do and probably trust your gut. You know, I, I knew that I needed offshore, but I just didn't run with it earlier enough. So if you just trust your gut, run with that. Um, I I think you won't look backwards.
0: Yeah, great advice. So I'm going to ask you for some personal advice now. What one bit of advice would you give your younger self from a personal point of view?
1: Yeah, don't be afraid of what people think. Um, Just do it and live by it. You know my biggest concern with with offshoring was what people would think you know they are we taking jobs from local people but reality is i've been doing it 16 months being regional um, i'm sure there's people here that know what i do and i've certainly had no negative feedback in any shape or form and uh, as i said just trust yourself and Things are always working out really well for me, so it will for you too.
0: Great advice. So what is the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team, and is it true?
1: Yeah, look, I think it still stems back to that security of data, Nick. That was by far the biggest thing that was out there in discussion, and certainly even today with cybersecurity and so forth, but reality is it is just a myth. The, The security over there plus the software you know, it's it's almost impossible for for these guys to um, to try and get some data. So th- that would be it for me. Yeah,
0: I couldn't agree more. So so for someone looking to grow their business or and or their team, what's the best piece of advice that you've heard and you've implemented that you could pass on?
1: Process, process, process. Um, certainly, with the Filipinos, that that is the most important factor. And I think, Nick, you once told me at a, um, at a one-on-one discussion that, you know, when you give them a job, tell them how much time they've got to do it. You know, don't, don't tell them they've got, you know, to do, you know, eight hours to do that job. When I say they've got that much time to do it, they need to be doing a hundred transactions a month. Ah, sorry, an hour or whatever it may be. Um, and then build the processes around it. Um, we find with any new client that we onboard, once we nail down their process, because generally when they come there is no process in what they do, um, so once we nail down the process locally here and embrace the team in Towa, um it's smooth sailing for us, it's smooth sailing for the client, the client's happy and everyone's happy.
0: Yeah, excellent. So we're going to finish off today's podcast with a quick five in five. So what are the main cloud softwares that you use within your business?
1: Uh, so MYOB, Xero, uh, QuickBooks, Receipt Bank and Class Super. They, they'd be the, the major pieces we use.
0: Excellent. What's your favourite app? Class Super. I love it. Excellent. What is your must read each week?
1: So, financial review to keep up to date with uh, finance and, uh, and a good book, which is normally some sort of uh, you know, mindful uh, meditation style book.
0: Excellent. Favourite social media channel? Facebook. It's a, always one of the big favourites. Um, favourite KPI?
1: <laughs> yeah, I used to have lots of different ones, but now I think team responsibility centres is my biggest and my favourite. Um, it takes the onus away from me directly. Um, so I know as long as everyone's hitting their KPIs on that, then I know the clients are looked after and I don't need to worry about it.
0: Fantastic. So we'll put your contact details in the show notes for anyone to reach out to you across um, the social media platforms. But what's the best way for anyone to reach out directly if they wanted to? Phone. Bring my mobile. Excellent. And we'll put that number in the show notes. So thank you so much for your time today, Tony. There's been lots and lots of valuable items that any of our listeners will be able to take away and implement into their business to make it a success like yours. So thank you so much for your time. No problem. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle, at Sinclair, or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks, and have a great day.